stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite World Talk radio shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. This is Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show, regardless of where you are on the planet. I don't know whether to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's exciting to think that way, to think that we've gone global and can talk to people all around the, all around the planet. Uh, we're here, as you know, to have a good time, to talk about how we can do better, be better, and have a happier life. And that takes all kinds of little avenues as we do our exploring together. We have a really great show for you today. Um, we're going to be talking to Paul Reinick in a few minutes, and he has quite a story to tell. I always have to acknowledge Alice Cooper and No More Mr. Nice Guy, our theme song. Uh, you may have already discovered that when you do some serious self-improvement work, you learn to know limits and set boundaries. And when you learn your limits and you set some boundaries, sometimes you start saying no to people who've always expected a yes from you, and they begin to think you're not so nice anymore. Don't worry about it. It's going to settle in. You might find yourself with some new friends or with some old friends who respect you even more and also respect your boundaries. So hang in there. Alice Cooper's been just been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We send him our congratulations and reiterate our standing invitation to be on our show. We in Phoenix regard him as one of the nicest guys in town. So his theme song doesn't fit him anymore because he really is a nice guy. We're looking for sponsors who'd like to have exposure on this show and also on the self-improvement blog. Our numbers continue to grow, so I can guarantee you that it would be really good exposure. If you're interested, call Scott Duffy at Voice America. Or contact me at the self-improvement blog. You can just use that through the contact form uh, and get me by email. I want to acknowledge Chad, our engineer. I always have to say thank you, Chad. He always makes us sound good even when we don't. I want to thank all of those at Voice America who make this broadcast possible. I remember them from the beginning days when they were boombox radio. Uh, Voice America World Talk Radio is the pioneer in Internet radio. And if you're, if you're interested in having a show, I would suggest that 
you call them first. Somebody will be happy to talk to you and get you all started. Remember those around the world who are in crisis because of war, and there are so many going on right now, I don't even know where to focus, because of floods, because of earthquakes, because of that tremendous tsunami in Japan, or other kinds of devastating weather, devastating activity. If you can donate, do that. If you can volunteer, then do that. You can also send them positive thoughts, positive energy, prayer. In other words, help out any way we can. The world is growing smaller and smaller, and oneness is becoming much more obvious and much more meaningful, and we need to help any way we can. Next week's guest is Guy Winch. Guy is a psychotherapist, a playwright, and get this, a stand-up comedian. He's also author of a book called The Squeaky Wheel, Complaining the Right Way to Get Results, Improve Your Relationships, and Enhance Self-Esteem. Guy's going to show us, talk to us about how we can complain in a way that isn't offensive and gets really great results. In fact, he's going to teach us how to make a complaint sandwich. He's also going to help us understand or know how we can eat one of those things. So come back next week. This week's guest is Paul Reinig speaking about building a healthy relationship with yourself. We have all kinds of books on how to build healthy relationships with everybody else. In fact, I just reviewed one written by the eHarmony group. But an even more important relationship is the one you have with yourself. Our guest today spent 23 years with Reverend Sun Myung Moon's group, the Unification Church. He rose to a leadership position in that organization, and while attending Unification Theological Seminary in Barrytown, New York, Paul experienced a crisis of faith. And a crisis of faith is huge and takes a lot of working through this crisis led him to leave this organization as well as his moon-chosen wife of 16 years. A huge decision had to have taken an awful lot of courage. Paul then began a period of soul-searching in which he came to the realization that loving himself means to accept everything about himself, bar none, and I guess that includes warts and all, that good old saying. He shares his insights in two audio recordings, one, how to accept yourself and bring home your aspects and developing a relationship with yourself. He's also authored two books, his memoir, A Grand and Glorious Adventure, The Saboteur Years, and his latest, Apostle Paul, The Untold Story. Welcome, Paul. How are you today? I'm doing awesome, Irene. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Just where in the country are you? At the moment, I'm in Gainesville, Florida. It's beautiful down here. It's a sunny 85-degree uh, day. Oh, how lovely. It's nice here, too, but I don't think it's going to make it to 85. We'll, we'll see. Tell us. Make, a... I have to make a comment that uh, I, I always love Alice Cooper's 18, you know. When, yeah. That was about that age when I was listening to it, and it was like, I'm 18, and I like it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, <laughs> we just love Alice Cooper. He he does so many wonderful things around here. I mean, you talk about somebody who cares. He, he still has a restaurant over there, right? He owns a restaurant. He uh, has a youth group in one of the big churches in the valley. Awesome. Uh, he, he's he's always helping. 
I mean, truly, he's known as the nicest guy in town. So, you know, let's talk about a, a little bit about what it was like when you were growing up so you can set the stage for, for the different places that you've been. Tell us about your early days. Oh, well, you know, I think uh, it's it's more typical than not that there's, generally speaking, dysfunction going on in the family unit uh, when people grow up. I, I don't know about these days because the families are much strong, uh, smaller. But back in the uh, 60s when I was growing up, my parents had 10 kids. I was right in the middle, the fifth one, and I, I always, while I probably didn't verbalize it in my mind that clearly, but later, as I was thinking about it, it, it always felt like sort of like I was lost in the middle. Um, my yeah, parents, the middle kid often gets lost, even if it's a smaller group. Yeah, and you know, my parents were the most heavy-handed on my on the firstborn, and then you know, it sort of went progressively less. But by the time I came around, it was almost like there's just too many already. And later, the younger ones actually got a lot more of their attention because they were finally figuring out that that's really what we wanted. Right. But by the time you came along, they were feeling incredibly overwhelmed and didn't quite know how to handle it, is my guess. Exactly. And, and uh, honestly, Irene, I just had no self-esteem whatsoever. I was one of those kids that gets picked on at school and, you know, the, it's never fun. And a kid wants to be accepted, and when you don't feel accepted at school, then you go home and look for that there. And I didn't really feel that there because there was too many of us, and it was just a big zoo. So it was a challenge for me. It was you know, I retreated in way into my mind actually, and got 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 kind of lost there. Within later, what a what a counselor called an emotional cocoon, and I just was sort of stuck in that place. So you graduated from high school stuck in that cocoon exactly and what did you do after high school I you know I there's no way I was gonna go to college that just was not on the agenda although my dad was really pushing for me for that but I just was a bit of a drifter I, I, I actually uh, ran into some folks who had a small commune and communes were kinda of big in those days and I ended up getting involved in it so this uh, would have been when was this in the 60s or no, no but by that time it was 1971 uh, but I didn't actually join this commune until 74. Um, well, let me think now. Is that correct? No, no, sorry. It was late in 71 when I joined it. Later in 74, we went down to the Arizona area where you actually are at. Ah. And we, we spent some time in uh, Bisbee and then uh, headed over to San Diego. But my parents were calling me uh, to come home. They were planning a big family portrait thing. It was Christmas time. I didn't really didn't have any desire to go home, but I went because you know you do what you're supposed to, you do what you're told. That's that's the little boy that I was still. And in this commune, was there a purpose to this commune, or just a bunch of like-minded people who lived together? Uh, do you remember Ram Dass and his book "Be Here Now"? Yes. That was the Bible of the of the commune. Oh, okay. So it 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 actually had a big huge impact on me because my parents were Catholic. Uh, my dad put us all through parochial schools from kindergarten straight through high school. I never attended a public school. So I was very, you know, ensconced in that Catholicism. And it was, it, it had done a number on my head by the time I was a senior in high school because all of this stuff about sin and going to hell and everything, and I wasn't going to church regularly. And that was heavy because we were told you got to go to Mass every Sunday or else. So there was a big crisis going on inside of me in those days. And Ram Dass helped. Uh, shift some of that energy uh, where I began to feel like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not really that bad after all. 
Uh, that, that's kind of where that commune was helping me. So then at that Christmas time, you went home, and I'm assuming that you didn't go back to the commune. No, actually, uh, I actually haven't thought about this in years, but um, I went home with more or less this idea that I might actually try to make it on my own back home, which was at that time, that's where I grew up, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, but it got into January, I had learned how to make rings, silver and turquoise rings were big popular among the hippies back then. And uh, I was trying to sell them on college campus. That was a big feat for me because I wasn't, I was pretty shy. Nobody was buying them. My dad was coming home. I had hair way down to the middle of my back and he was pushing me to get a job, cut my hair. So it was very intense. And by the time mid-February came along, I literally got down on my hands and knees and prayed one night in sobbing tears, begging to know what the heck's going on. Next day, I met a member of the uh, Unification Church. So that, that was the answer. Just oh, kinda... so you thought that was a godsend. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us what, I, I almost see this as, as a romance. Yes. It's how oh, it absolutely. strikes me <laughs> that they were romancing you. Well, you know, when I first went through their workshops, they were they were over in Iowa that that cold, snowy weekend of in February. I saw some, I had some some revelations, sort of. It was some somewhat of a spiritual experience. I really got this strong sense that what Moon was teaching was was the absolute truth for me. And of course, what he was teaching was that he was the second coming of Christ. So it was that was right up my alley. I needed a savior of sorts. I it provided a umbrella of a huge international movement that he had formed by the time I got involved because he had been working on it since the middle 50s. Right. And uh, I, I plugged right into that umbrella. So as long as I had this umbrella to hold on to, I was, well, I wasn't really okay, but I, I, had the, I was under the illusion that I was okay enough at least to keep me going every day. And how long did it take you after you met them to become a part of their organization? Um, right away, the first seven-day workshop I was attending, by the end of the workshop, I had signed membership. And it was that feeling of safety and belonging that made you want to stay, or was there something more? It was, you know, it was honestly because I was so caught up into my mind, and I, I actually did have an interest in what is truth. It's why I was... I really was gobbling up the uh, be here now stuff. I, I you know, uh, so it did. It was a analytical, uh, refreshing experience for me. Uh, and um, you know, on a deep internal heart level, I think I was scared to death. But and I know I was because when I was, you know, once I got involved, I now had to go through training and literally got kind of pushed out of the nest to get out there and do the the actual work. Oh, that was so intense for me. Did you but have the, to go door to door and all those things? Oh, everything. I mean, I you can't imagine the things that I that I found that I could do, and that was the good part of it. There was the wonderful part about it that it brought me out of myself, and it forced me. You know, Moon threw me right into one of the state leaders within a year and a half. I was one of the leadership. I got to fly to New York every month at the first day of the month and sit in this big leadership conference with him every month for eight years. I did that. So let me ask you this question. Did you get strength to do that from finally feeling that you belonged somewhere and were accepted? Is that where the strength came from? Or just where did you get the courage to do this? 
Actually, that's a great question. Uh, the answer, I think, is a kind of a mix of things. But if I had to weigh in on the most, uh, you know, uh, applicable to answer your question, it would probably be the strength was in his theology. Okay. And what part of his theology did you find that you could really grab onto to give you that kind of strength? All of it. All but, of it. Yeah, within... Once I had joined membership um, in February of 75, by Mar May of that same year, I was sitting in a 40-day a workshop in New York, and that turned into, after that 40 days was over, now it began a 120-day workshop. It was called 120-day leadership training. And during that training, we learned Moon's principle from a, this lecturer who wanted us to take word-for-word -word notes and then we were to memorize those notes. And then we went down into the streets of New York City with chalkboards and we would teach it to each other until we had it memorized. And so when I finally had that be under my belt where I could literally share this truth without my notes, I, it was just like such a revelation to me that I you know, I was, in other words, I was owning it and making it my own. Yes. And, and, and that was so exciting to me is that this is something I can do. I can do this. I, you know, that was the hard part for me growing up, Irene. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I had anything to offer anybody. And nobody really seemed to care about me. So I didn't know who I am. So did you come to a, a knowing of who you are while you were with the Unification Church? Was that... Well, that was a real you. You know, it was a real me. I mean, the, uh, it was Moon's truth, but but you know, the truth. I think you and I both know that whatever your belief system is is what becomes true for you. Oh yes. So so Moon's truth became my truth, and so I'd have dreams of Moon. He'd come and and uh, you know he'd take care of me in my dreams. So he was literally my savior, uh, and that's exactly how it works. You see, when you have a belief system, it becomes that for you. That's why all the religions survive because their savior really does come and be with them. Exactly. And, I, you know, it's interesting because on the self-improvement blog, I know we haven't really addressed it much on the show, but, you know, I keep saying, do you know what you believe? What do you believe that nobody told you you had to believe? Uh, and I think it's a valid question. Have, have you searched through your belief system and made it your own because that's what you saw at the time? And... And are you able to look at it periodically and see if it's current? Otherwise, you're going to buy into just about anything. And, and you're addressing that to your audience or to me? I'm just addressing that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just addressing that. You know that that that's a question that I I find reoccurs in my own thinking, and I present it to to the people on that read the blog. Do you know what you believe? And, mm -hmm. and I think. The, maybe the important part is what do you believe that nobody told you you had to believe, which kind of gets back into your days uh, in the Catholic Church of being so afraid of hell. You know, you were told that that was true. Did there come a time when you looked at it and said, that's not my truth anymore? And, and you know, to answer that, I, I have to say that didn't happen until long after uh, I left Moon. Now, I did, I did sort of pull myself out of that a bit while I was in the commune because certainly Be Here Now was not addressing that you're going to go to hell if you don't follow uh, the teachings of Buddhism. Exactly. However, um, it was 
actually, I think I I believe that I'm I'm really, really am the creator of my world, and that back then I sort of planted a seed for myself, knowing that I was headed into what I call the frying pan or out of the frying pan into the fire. Into the fire, yeah. But 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 knowing that I planted a seed for myself, which later we began to sprout when I was in seminary in in the nineties, um, and so uh, yes, I did take a look at that whole hell thing. But while I was in the Moonies, oh my God, that continued to be one of the major things. Now, I didn't think I addressed that in my mind that, that much, but it was always there because Moon would make statements once in a while that if you didn't do what he was telling you, that you'd end up in the worst uh, part of hell. And Paul, I want you to hold that thought. It's time for us to take a, a short break. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show with Paul Reinig, my guest. We'll be back soon. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the World Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at World Talk Radio. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the World Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash World Talk Radio or follow along with us at World Talk Radio, the World Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you looking for tips, tricks, secrets, and techniques that you can use anywhere, anytime, on virtually any problem? Tune in to Magic at Your Fingertips with EFT virtuoso Teresa Bolin. You are a divine manifestation of love and light. Take back control of your life and create the life that you want using EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques. You'll overcome the obstacles that stand in the way of living your heart's desire. Magic at Your Fingertips airs live at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern, and 10 p.m. in Japan on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. We all lead busy lives, and sometimes we think we can't take care of our health. We battle food addictions, time restrictions, and media conflictions when it comes to our health. Now, you can tune in to the Dare to Be Healthy Show with host Alia Almoayed. Good health comes to those who dare to take the leap into the amazing world of natural healing. Find out what it's like to look and feel great. And finally, live your life to its maximum potential. Let Alia and her guests show you how. Dare to Be Healthy is broadcast live Mondays at 11 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. 
This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show with my guest, Paul Reining. We were discussing uh, his life uh, and what it was like in the Unification Church with Reverend Moon. Uh, and, and I want to continue with that thought a little bit. Uh, Paul, what what started you thinking that you needed to leave, and how were you able eventually to break away from that group? The first seeds, I think, that, that started, and they were very subtle, but it was probably in the mid to late 80s because uh, when Moon matched me with this woman, and that's a whole other story. We could probably do a show on that one. Well, I, but, can you just talk a little bit about what yeah. happened? <laughs> well, it, we were, there was a big ballroom in uh, the New Yorker Hotel, which was in, is uh, around Penn Station in Manhattan, which Moon owned. And this big ballroom uh, held about, there was about, I'd say it was probably about a thousand people in there, uh, 500 women, 500 men, you know, roughly. And we were separated between each other, and Moon would walk up and down the middle, and he would pick uh, either from one side or the other, and whichever side he'd pick from, he'd have somebody stand up, and then he'd come over to the other side, and he'd look around, and he'd point at somebody, and then they'd stand up, and then he'd put you two together, and he'd send you off, and uh, you're supposed to sit and you know discuss if you wanted it or not, but frankly speaking, uh, no one was in their right mind going to argue with their savior, you see. I got it. So this woman, I didn't really, frankly, she scared the heck out of me. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like anything about her. I didn't like what she looked like. I, there was, I had super issues from the beginning, but I buried all that and I wouldn't look at any of that. And instead, I follow my truth. You see, so this is a classic case of wow. you don't listen to your heart; you listen to the mind. The the par, hard part about this, and this is one of the things that I profess in what I do now. Because the message of a lot of religions is that you, that your heart will deceive you every time, so you've got to follow the truth in your mind. And in my opinion, it's the exact opposite. Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, you was the wedding then that day? No, no. The wedding actually uh, took place three years later. Now, Moon would do periodic matching, so it could have been at any time for anyone. So basically, we had a three and a half year separation period from the wet, from the matching, regardless of when you were matched. In other words, there were some people who might have been matched the day before the wedding. They still had to go three and a half years. Ah. As it turned, as it turned out, our wedding was three years later, and it happened in uh, Madison Square Garden. There was two thousand seventy five couples. There were and, a lot of pictures of that, weren't there? Around yes, yeah. yeah it was a, you know it was a, it was a you know somewhat of a pleasant occasion uh, initially. My parents came out, you know, it was kind of nice, but uh, I, I knew that I, that I was heading straight into the Pandora's box because up until this point, we just conversed, you know, back and forth by uh, telephone and letters, but it was just had a six months to go, and by the time uh, that period was up, I was joining her, and we were going to start our family, and that's when all hell broke loose, really. So, uh Yeah. You, you didn't have a family, did you? Or did, did you have children with her? No, you know, the, that was, of course, emphasized quite heavily by Moon. He wanted to, you know, of course, have as many uh, young Moonies out there as he could. Oh, yeah. But, but in our case, uh, there was various issues that seemed to be medical, and I think it was psychological more than anything. Um, but, you know, it wasn't supposed to be because later when – our own peers from that wedding were having three, four, five kids. And I'm talking like 10 years later even, or even longer. 
some of those couples would step forward to us and they'd say, we realize that you you guys haven't had any kids and we've had so many. We'd love to offer to have a kid for you. Wow. So we, we would take them up on it. And so then they would be praying for us when they were trying to conceive. And one woman got pregnant, but then she lost it. Then she got pregnant again. She lost it again. By that time, my wife was devastated. I was like, you know, I think I was sort of agreeing with her on an intellectual level, but somewhere inside I was going like, you know, like, yeah, because there was a part of me, I think, that just didn't really want to have those the kids. And uh, anyway, it was better that it didn't. It was a very easy divorce. It was a kind of a very uh, we, we, you know, sent each other off in blessing. And that was the end of it. We haven't really communicated since. That was 12 years ago. Now, we hear uh, on the outside, we hear that it's harder to leave a cult than it is to get in. That wasn't the case for you, was it? No, and you know, I never at any time felt that there was anything keeping me there other than myself and my own belief system. Now, yes, it was Moon's belief system, but that doesn't mean I couldn't just say, well, you know, this belief system doesn't work for me any longer and then leave. Some people did that and it was a lot easier for them. For me, however, my belief system went way back to Catholicism and personally, I think it went through many past life things, which you know, not even to go in, go there. But in other words, I feel that I had this heavy thing about absolutely having to do the right thing or else. And so that was the hard one for me to actually, de- you know, to deprogram myself, if you will, from the from the belief system that said, if I leave Moon, it's going to be okay. Is that going to be, can I convince myself of that? It took three or four years before I was comfortable with that. You must have had quite a struggle within yourself to come to that kind of a decision since this was really the first place that you really felt you totally belonged. Actually, it was emotionally uh, devastating, actually. I, I uh, for, for a short period there, I was um, I literally didn't know if I was going to make it in the society. But you did make it. What What brought you through that whole transformation and I, I would I would really see that as a transformation part of it was um, after seminary moon sent the whole class he, he always had a tradition where he'd send the whole class somewhere my class got sent to Russia this was 1993 and communism had fallen not long before he had worked uh, heavily on the Minister of Education in Russia and eventually convinced him to let our group in there so we were going in and teaching educators from kindergarten up Moon's teaching. Now, it wasn't exactly Moon's teaching. It was a watered-down version, but it was enough to allow us to come in, and I got a chance to do some lecturing over there you know, through a translator. And yet, I, didn't, I knew I did not want to be there, and I knew that I would rather pursue what I had always wanted to do since I was a little kid, and that was to go into broadcasting. So to answer your question, I left, I left out of protocol. This is the first time I had the courage to do this. It was going against all the rules. I left Russia and went back to my hometown and w- enrolled in the University of Nebraska and got a degree in uh, broadcast journalism. Fantastic. That leaves me a little speechless. I didn't know that part of your history, and I find that really quite exciting. So you... Essentially, as as I see this path of yours, you went into a small group which helped your self-esteem, or it probably got you to the door, uh, and then you went into a large group where you had some leadership positions, you were selected for some education, you did all kinds of things. So by the time you left, were you feeling pretty good about yourself? 
No. No. <laughs> you weren't feeling. So So you went into broadcasting, but that takes some degree of self-esteem. You have to feel that you can, you know, put your yourself out there to yes, do well. that. So what was going on with you then if you had no self-esteem when you left the Unification Church and okay. yet you went into broadcasting? It's not like I didn't have self-esteem. Uh, I had self-esteem. Okay. But I, what I had also, though, was what I call these emotional aspects uh, that were always popping up. And from the title of my memoir, The Saboteur Years is the subtitle, mm-hmm. I would always be sabotaging myself with doubt. Okay. So, you talk about aspects. What do you mean when you talk about aspects? Because I, I think that's going to be important that we know that. And 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 I'll go right into that in just a moment. I just want to finish up the answer to the last question. When I left and went and got that degree, I had not left the Unification Church yet. I was oh. still still very much the only thing. What I was doing, you see, I was justifying this in my mind because even though I was going against what I was told by Moon to do, I was saying, "Well, I can serve Moon better by getting a degree in broadcasting and then going out and working in journalism." Understand, at this point, Moon owned the Washington Times. He had also sent a group of us through, and he, was, he had bought some, something called Atlantic Video, which was, part of, which was a big uh, broadcasting thing in Washington. And so that had perked my interest, and I was thinking maybe one day I can even work there. So, so I was still keeping him as my savior. That, that kept the psychological thing going. But, but yet knowing that I had one foot out the door now. Well, here's the rub. When I got out of the, the uh, degree and I wanted to actually go out into the field, a company, a, you know, a TV station hired me, and I could not take it. It was emotionally too much for me because I was going through too much that I had disobeyed, and I, you know, I'm not really doing what I'm supposed to do, and I really could not last. I didn't. I only stayed lasted three and a half months in that, uh, and I ended up uh, actually within six months I was working uh, security grave shift in a very heavy spiritual crisis. And that's really was the beginning of the end right there. And how long then did it take you to, to leave that situation? That was actually a couple more years. During that time, my, my, what I call my ex now, she and I were both sort of going together through this uh, separating, and uh, she was going through the same stuff. She ended up working security for the same company in, at some other location. And one day she just decided uh, it's time and she wanted to move on and find out really who she is. That's, that freaked me out, of course, because we were extremely codependent. But when, when she was gone, I had to sort of, uh, you know, pull my bootstraps up, as they say. And uh, I stayed on in, in grave shift uh, for about another three years. But during that time, I started reading every book that was out there on the spiritual side. And so it was the beginning then of pulling myself uh, giving myself a new belief system. So you were in a spiritual crisis as well as an emotional crisis. Yes, I mean, I, I literally had I gone uh, to you know psychiatrists or whatever, uh, I'm sure I would have been diagnosed different things. I, I could think of bipolar as one because I'd be an emotional yo-yo at times. But that now that is a good segue into the answer to your next question and an aspect because an emotional aspect is in fact what we create when we get into situations in which we don't know what to do. It's an emotional moment, and we're not aware of who we really are in that moment, uh, and therefore we can't deal with this particular emotion. 
So we push it away. And that turns into what I call an emotional aspect. It gets locked into our psyche somewhere. doesn't go away at all. It just goes into hibernation, so to speak. So give me an example of an aspect. Well, a good example for me would be uh, I I have – there's a part of me that uh, says – over my dead body, am I going to love anybody? Ah. Uh, okay. So, okay. So that, that started when I was probably a, a, you know, six months old. See, I and, call that a subconscious program. It, well, you know, probably the same, same concept. Yeah. So, so then here I am, uh, and if you read my memoir, you'll see here I am, even in various stages of the Mooney organization, and I'm feeling really good, and I'm starting to get some, some courage and I, and I want to start creating something to, you know, advance my purpose. In his case, it would have been to create something that I could go back and report to him and make him happy because I wanted that father figure to love me, you exactly. see. Exactly. And, and, and yet, here comes the emotional aspect that says, no, over my dead body are you going to do that? And I'm like, and so, and the problem here, Irene, is now I'm identifying with that. So now I'm believing that that's who I am when it's actually not who I am at all. So how did you come from that to knowing exactly who you are and wanting to help other people develop a relationship with themselves as well? How did you get from there to where you are now? Uh, it's been a very long process. Um, it was 1998 when she left and I moved for this interesting enough for the very first time in my entire life i actually was living alone okay let's leave you living alone for a moment because that brought us right up to another break okay it's time for us to take a short break now and hear some words from sponsors this is irene conlon with the self-improvement show and my guest paul reinick saying stay tuned we'll be right back Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What's missing in your life? Do you feel like you've lost your identity? Are you trying to cope with a loss in your life? Are you trying so hard to be a people pleaser? Stop! Invest some time in Dr. Marla Sloan's program, Mind Over Matters. This program will help you find the answers to these questions and more. Dr. Marla's passion is to help people to be the best they can be. And this program does just that. Tune in to Mind Over Matters with Dr. Marla every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. We all lead busy lives, and sometimes we think we can't take care of our health. We battle food addictions, time restrictions, and media conflictions when it comes to our health. Now, you can tune in to the Dare to Be Healthy Show with host Alia Almoayed. Good health comes to those who dare to take the leap into the amazing world of natural healing. Find out what it's like to look and feel great. And finally, live your life to its maximum potential. Let Alia and her guests show you how. Dare to be Healthy is broadcast live Mondays at 11 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio Network host? 
How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Paul Reinig. We were talking about his life with the Unification Church, how he left, and then a little bit about aspects and how he came to accept himself. So, you know, before we get back into that, though, I want him to tell you how you can reach him. He has his own radio show. He has his own web presence. Uh, Paul, tell us about those and how they can find you on the web. Okay, yes, thanks. That's great. Um, actually, I have a couple uh, basic websites the main website is called MasteringTrueLove.com, and on that website, through the toolbar on the right upper corner, you'll see there's other links on there. That one says blog, and if you click there, it'll take you to a blog I have with a, a, a variety of articles that I've written. Another one says radio show. If you click there, it'll give you information about a radio show that I do every other Wednesday uh, on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, it's ca- also called Mastering True Love Radio. And then there's other, I have products, the, as uh, Irene mentioned in the beginning of the show, I have a couple books and a couple audio recordings. Uh, and then the other website is called NewEnergyDanceExpression.com. And that is about uh, another area of love of mine, which is dance, which has really helped to sort of balance me out emotionally these days. Because I've come to realize that the, when you bring out these parts this part of you that's very creative and the real, the real essence of your being, uh, you find more balance. And so uh, I've, I've had seminars in which I've combined speaking and dance, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Sounds like it. So they can, if they Google you, will they find you easily? It should be. I, I think uh, there's not a lot of Paul Reinings. There are a few in Germany, but I... It, you know, mastering true love is the, is really what what they want to Google. And you know what? We're going to have to have you back and just have that as the subject. It's Paul P A U L R E I N I G Paul Reinig. If you need to Google him, I hope you had a pencil. So let's continue on talking about aspects and and just go with it, Paul. Tell us what you want us to know because we're on the last leg of this show, and I want you to be able to say what you need to say. Okay, well, probably the more, most important thing of all is that we get a sense of who we really are because it's come to my uh, awareness and understanding that I am actually a divine being 
who's having a human experience. Oh, I think you'll find a lot of people in agreement with you there. I do too, and I think that's what I call this, uh, the new, it's almost like a new renaissance going on right now, in that there are people all over the world who are getting a sense of that to varying degrees or, or other. So what does that mean then? It means that the human sitting speaking with you who calls himself Paul Reinig is an aspect of the divine which dwells deep within me and really is the true who I am. It's an infinite and an eternal part of me and I'm just happy to be living that experience out in this physical body. What happens to us humans because we for the most part were taught to that that's not the case we became identified with who we think we are. So I always thought, well, I'm Paul Reinig, and well, who is Paul Reinig? Well, he's that kid that nobody likes and who's worthless. And who's so, going to hell. Yes. So, so I'm walking around believing that that's what I am, which is a total illusion. What I am is a divine, very compassionate, very caring being deep within. So it's critical if one wants to start uh, what I call integrating or balancing these aspects that wreak havoc on our emotions to first begin to understand who you really are. And that requires going inside to connect to that. And the best way to do that is through the breath. So amazingly enough, it doesn't take therapy necessarily. Uh, there's nothing wrong with therapy. But therapy isn't ultimately going to help a person be find out who they are it's going to be when you go inside and let your soul, that real deep, true you, show you who you are. Okay, you I'm going to I'm gonna ask you this question. A lot of people say you need to go within, and a lot of people try to go within and don't have a clue how to do it. Tell them how you go within. So huh. you, have to t you have to take a very deep breath and uh, let that breath go way down to the, you know, your toes. You mm -hmm. feel the energy and you feel it go way up to your tip of top of your head and you feel in this very moment, I've taken that breath, I can feel tingling in my fingers, I can feel it in my toes and in my, my scalp. Right now as I'm speaking, I can feel this. I've taken the time over several years to 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, breathe with everything completely shut off so that nothing interrupts me. The mind's going to whirl, it's going to go wherever it's going to go, that's fine. You don't worry about your mind, you just breathe. And you, you do your best to get those feelings in your fingers and in your toes. Imagine if you're walking out, you get in your car, you sit down, you feel your bum on the seat. You feel your hands on the steering wheel. Usually you get in, you get in your car, you go, your mind's already where you're going, you see. Your mind's just going everywhere. But if you get to a play, place where you can be with you, wherever you are taking you, now you're going to be connecting to you. That's, beginning, that's the beginning of allowing the compassion that's truly you to begin to reveal itself. It's always been there, but we just haven't taken time. Again, our minds have always been somewhere else, so we also haven't put any focus or emphasis on that there's this loving, deep compassion inside me. Never took the time to find it and, and identify with it. And that's what the breathing can do to help you find that. And how much time do you recommend that people spend doing just that, just breathing and, and you know, shutting out everything else? If they've never done it before, five minutes. Uh, yeah, and, that's and, a that, good... and, 
Yeah, and then and then if they find that they actually like it, then they will naturally progress at their own pace. The one thing that I teach, Irene, is that there's no formula. There's really no formula. You know, you can read dozens and hundreds of books out there probably where you do this, 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 and this, and you'll get this. Uh-uh. It may help you to some degree, and that's fine. And I've read all those books, and, that, and, and they've all helped me. But I've come to realize that there isn't any X, Y, Z, and you get, you know, you, you do A and you B and you get C. It, it doesn't really work that way. No, it really doesn't, does it? No, so, you have to follow your own inner being and be gentle and, and patient. and uh, Well, gentle is the best word. You just allow yourself to go at the pace that yourself wants to go. I have a dear friend who says, you know, after she goes through this, she'll say, and trust your information. Trust that's, the information that you get. That's probably the best uh, advice that anyone could ever give you because that is, in fact, in my opinion, the only thing that we're doing on this planet is that we're, we're learning how to trust ourselves. I'm not talking about trusting that someone told me this or that what my pastor told me or what my school teacher told me or anything, but literally it's something's flowing inside and you learn to trust that. When you start doing that and you find out that it's, it turns out to be okay, that is a mind-blowing revelation. So is, what, do you need to do anything else then to build a healthy relationship with yourself? Well, so I actually had a lot of what I call these emotional aspects um, that um, would get triggered. And I started, um, I, I, I have what I call four uh, simple uh, words that, that sort of, I'll say them to myself. And those, those were one, one of those words will spring a whole series of things. So, for example, the word yes. So, for, so when I suddenly get triggered, let's say you said something and I feel angry. And, you know, this happens to all of us all the time. I feel angry right now. Well, it's nothing about what that person said. It's actually what's going on inside. There's an anger in there that I've never taken care of. It's a little Paul who once upon a time got angry, and I didn't give it any love or compassion. And so what really what I did was I turned it around and gave it a swift kick in the rear and told it to get out of here. Yep. And so I just, what I said just triggered that little Paul to be angry. Yes, yeah, so, what, so what you do, what I've learned to do then was take a deep breath. I say yes. What that means is I accept angry little Paul. I'm okay. There's no right or wrong about me being angry right now. That is okay. Second thing I say, thank you. I so, so thank this part of me because look, amazing that he's even willing to show up at all. I mean, I've told him to get lost so many times. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, but but he wants to come home because it's the nature of energy. Energy seeks resolution, and that's what that really is. It's just an energetic part of me that that's sort of hanging around in my psyche. So it wants to be integrated, and who's going to have to integrate it? The real me. The real me is the compassionate, loving one. So the third word is, I love you. So I say, I love you. Well, that springs forth a whole bunch of, you know, depending on what the issue is, I mean, I, I've had situations where I'd be sobbing and sobbing in a fetal position with my arms wrapped around my chest, and I just keep saying to myself over and over and over again, I love you, Paul. It's going to be okay. You don't have to do that. You don't have, you know, whatever the situation was, I just kept repeating words of comfort, of love, really romantic words even, uh, soothing and giving that little boy, like you'd take a little kid up on your uh, you know, lap when mm -hmm. he's got a scraped knee and it's bleeding. 
and you just give him what he wants, and before you know it, he's rushing off. He could care less that his knee's scraped and bloody. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even know that. He's back out there with so much joy and bubbling around again because he feels safe and he feels taken care of. So basically what you're suggesting is inner child work. Yeah, so you suddenly there's a part of me that is now integrated because it feels safe and it feels loved. It doesn't go away. I'm not trying to get rid of this part of me because, you know, it, that's me. But it's now safe enough that it doesn't really have a real strong reason to want to act out. Next time somebody comes along and says the same thing that that other person said to trigger me, doesn't trigger me at all. I'm fine. And, and that's then do you, move on to, do you move on to something else or do you wait until something else is triggered? Uh, life will always present to you exactly what you're in, in a position to deal with. So you don't really have to go looking. You just do whatever. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. If you go you just, looking, you'll find a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, you, I mean, to me, I, I've, I've tried to do my best every day to follow whatever feels good. And in the midst of that, occasionally something gets triggered. And in that moment, I stop and go through those four words. Yes, thank you, I love you. And the fourth one was, by the way, I am that I am, which basically is saying that I'm the one that you've been looking for all these years. I'm the uh -huh. one. Not, not that other person or... You know, because I, Irene, I went through a therapy where I would be sitting on people's laps sobbing and they'd be hugging, hugging, you know, comforting me. And, oh, it was wonderful. But I never healed. And I finally realized the reason is is because I'm the one that has to be the one in holding me. I'm it. So how do you lead other people to get to this point of, of healing? Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't done a lot of work in actually working with other people, but that's actually what motivated me to, to record my uh, two audio recordings, specifically the second one, which is available as an MP3 recording off of both of my websites, How to Accept Yourself and Bring Home Your Aspects. That one's nearly two hours of a lot of my own personal experiences with what I've sh been sharing in the last five, ten minutes. And I just go much more expounding and in-depth about all of this. I am certainly in a, you know, willing and open. That's another link that's on my website is that I'm, I am a, what I call a spiritual coach. But I'm not here to uh, work with someone on an ongoing basis unless that's what you want. But I'd rather work with somebody for an hour and really steer you into tapping into that part of you that is the divine and then let you, you know, go off and, uh, you know, I mean, all I needed was to really get that. And then from that point on, yeah, it takes a lot of courage, but you, you know, you make your way once you understand who you really are. Let me ask you this question. You've had a number of interesting experiences in religion and spirituality. Do you look at each one of those as a step that you really had to take to get you to the place you are now, or do you see them, you know, how do you see those? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, if I had to do my life over again, I wouldn't have done it any different from the sense that uh, I knew, I know that everything was teaching me something and learning now. What I do know that, that for in hindsight, of course, is that what I say is the future is the past healed. Ah, nice. And and and, and uh, that means that when I'm really giving my little Paul what he wants, now I can be all those potentials that were available for me back then. 
I can now step into those and be the real Paul instead of the sabotaged Paul. Ah, uh, Paul, I was about to say, what words do you have to leave with our listeners because it's time to close the show, but I think you just left those words that we needed to hear. Basically, so, you know, absolutely. You know, and, and, and just believe in yourself. Know that no matter how weird you might think you are or how uh, terrible you might be, you know, you actually are an awesome divine being with compassion. Thank you so much, Paul. Next week's guest is Guy Winch, who's going to talk to us about the squeaky wheel and how to complain effectively. So tune in next week. Paul, we thank you so, so much for being with us today. I so loved it, too. I I, I was happy to be on, and uh, you're a great interviewer. I appreciate it. We'll have to do it again. This is Irene Conlon saying goodbye for today for the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned to more shows with Voice America World Talk Radio. And I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.